You've heard about the movie Sleepless in Seattle. Well, today we are undecided in Israel. As Israel goes to another unprecedented fifth national election in three and a half years, it's a time during which there's been tremendous political instability and divisiveness. We're not going to get into all the details why it's been like this for all this time. But largely, these elections have been referendums on the leadership of former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Shalom and welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through, experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic anytime. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end of the program, where we're also going to share some exciting offers and opportunities. And please share this with people who you know who will also find it of interest. Yes, friends, as Israel is approaching its fifth national election in three and a half years, just over a week away, polls continue to show no one clear outcome or strong probable coalition that's likely to be able to form a government. But polls are sometimes inaccurate. I have nothing to prove it, but this time, more than in the past, I have found more people like myself who are undecided. The undecided vote may be bigger than ever before, a few tens of thousands of which can swing the election. But we're desperately looking for a good option, or if need be, a least bad option. But unlike other countries in Israel, We don't have a choice between two main candidates or parties. We have a choice of nearly 40 parties, nearly a third of which are likely to receive enough votes to enter the Knesset. I want you to please pay attention because many of you have also emailed and texted asking, how can you pray? What do you need to pray for Israel at this time? And there are going to be many, many prayer points that you're going to take out of this. Joining me today are three fellow Israelis, all immigrants like myself who are also undecided as to who they are voting for. I've invited them to join me because they're each intelligent, articulate, thoughtful, and that we represent a range of views that I hope will be enlightening. We've not had the conversation yet, but we all do come from a conservative, right-of-center, modern Orthodox perspective, but each of us look at that somewhat differently. Today, our guests are Eve Harrow, Eve lives her passion for her country and her people as a popular licensed Israeli tour guide. She hosts a weekly podcast called Rejuvenation, interviewing an eclectic range of people for her international audience. Eve is also the Director of Tourism and Community Development for the One Israel Fund and is a sought-after scholar in residence and speaker. She has two master's degrees, one in psychology and another in the land of Israel studies and archaeology from Bar-Ilan University here in Israel. Eve has lived in Efrat since 1988, where she and her physician husband have raised seven children, and she's served for more than 10 years as a city councilwoman. Mark Singer is founding is the founding principal of a wealth management firm in Florida. 
He moved to Israel in 2006. He is involved in venture capital, investing, and is also a co-founder of Israel 365, a news site providing information about Israel to an evangelical Christian audience. He holds a master's of business administration and is also a certified financial planner. David Weiss is originally from New York and is married with three boys and lives in Ginot Shomron, which is in Samaria. In 2008, he moved to Israel and served in the IDF infantry. His day job is in fintech, and his two big passions in life are baseball and politics. Along with being a political enthusiast, he is a diehard Mets fan and coaches of the Ginot Shomron baseball team. Eve, Mark, and David, welcome to Inspiration from Zion. Thank you, David. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> It's me. Um, So before we get started, just a little bit of background. Um, There are a lot of people listening who want to know what's going to be the outcome. I receive prayers by email and text all the time asking what's happening with the elections and and what what do I project. But before we get into the conversation and your individual thoughts, I just want to give a little bit of background and perspective so people understand how we vote and why that's different. Um, Some people sitting may need a scorecard. First, how we vote. There's something very charming in what we do that we actually slip a piece of paper into an envelope and each each of those slips of paper is our ballot and is counted by hand. Each slip of paper has a one to three letter Hebrew representation for each respective party. So when we go to vote in our polling station, there'll be something like 40 stacks of paper slips in a cardboard box with dividers and we have to pick the right one and then slip it into the envelope. In five recent elections, that's been a lot of trees that have been chopped down to make the paper slips. Maybe we recycle them, I don't know. Because of we, have a, we have a parliamentary democracy, we vote for a party and not a person. But not always the person at the head of the party with the most votes and seats is typically tasked with forming the government and becoming prime minister. In the event that person cannot form a government, the task is given to someone else. Following our last election, we had a very unusual situation where Naftali Bennett, who headed a party that received only seven seats, found himself in a position to become prime minister. The Knesset is our parliament. It has 120 seats. After the votes are counted, each of these uh, seats are divided proportionally, but among the parties that receive only at least 3.25% of the vote, meaning that there's a threshold beneath which those that don't sit in the Knesset if they don't reach that threshold. In some instances, these votes are considered wasted because they're not counted in the allocation of seats, but also because they may take away from the possibility of one or another party being able to have it have it join a party as a coalition if they don't make it. The simplest part of all of this is that in order to form a government, one needs at least a simple majority of the total members in Knesset to support that government under a particular person and with the agreed upon division of government ministries, cabinet positions, and even political appointments. It takes a lot of negotiation between the parties to be sure as one has to have at least 61 out of 120 of the Knesset seats to form the government. However, never in Israel's history has there been one party that has won enough votes to establish a government on its own. So when we speak of a coalition, we're speaking about several parties agreeing to cooperate and govern together. And just as an example, in the last government, we had eight parties ranging from right to left. I want to jump in. First of all, 
I respect and appreciate all of you joining. I want to jump in and invite any of you to come back and correct me or, uh, or, or, or give your input. But I want to discuss, first of all, our respective backgrounds, where we're approaching this election in, uh, in, in less than two weeks from. Um, Eve, could we start with you? Could you give us a sense of what your political orientation is and where you voted in the past? Um, yeah, I mean, my political orientation is to the right. I live in Judea. Um, I feel very, very strongly that there has to be strong leadership that will apply some kind of Israeli law to Judea and Samaria, something we seem to have come close to in the last couple of years, but it didn't happen. Um, not even for ideological or religious reasons, even though I do believe that the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. But as a tour guide, I drive around here all the time. And there's a lot of issues that need to be dealt with that haven't been dealt with up until now, uh, environmental issues, road safety, and things like that. So um, it, it's not just so simple to say that I'm on the right, because that kind of pegs me as this person who maybe, you know, will just blindly do things for ideological reasons. But when you live here, I have seven children here and a 12th grandchild on the way. And there's a day to day, there are day to day issues that have not been dealt with properly above and beyond the bigger pictures and the threats that are out there that surround us from the countries around us. There are day to day issues that have not been dealt with properly. The illegal air building on land that is Israel's, et cetera. And so I have, I voted for Yamina in the last election. I know mm-hmm. Naftali Bennett for a long time. Um, I, to say that I was disappointed in what happened is would not be an understatement. Um, I, but I don't believe that he is the evil person that he's painted by so many. Um, I think he didn't realize a lot of the opposition he was going to come into from people who are ostensibly on his side of the political map or the compromises that he was going to have to make in having such a broad coalition and bringing in some of the virulently leftist parties that are still talking about a two-state solution like we're living in some la-la land and we don't have terrorists you know, all over the place. So it's like we're back in the 1990s and they haven't learned from that. And so um, it's, it, was, it was a very, you know, this last, t- this last election was very, very tough. Um, and so I am really debating now between what to do because the party that looks like it would most fit me, there are people in there who are too extreme for my taste. Um, I am unhappy with the Likud, quite honestly, and their behavior in the last year, because they voted against some of their own legislation in order to bring the Bennett government down. Yeah, I want to come to that. That's important. Yeah, that's important. That that, for me, that was huge. Because this isn't about any one or two or 10 politicians. This is about the Jewish people um, rejuvenating our lives in our homeland. It's much bigger than any politician. And that me, bothered me tremendously. Let me, let me jump in and ask you a question. I, I like and really appreciate how you um, said openly you're disappointed with Naftali Bennett and what, what he did as a result of the last election. But, but you don't, uh, you don't uh, call him the devil or the tra- traitor. Or, Not or, even or, close. But, so my question is, he's not on the ballot. He's not the head of a right. party. He's stepped aside, and we don't know if that's inde- uh, temporary or indefinite. But if he were running and heading a party, would you consider voting for him? Uh, that's so theoretical that I don't even want to go there. Okay, um, fair enough. So there's enough confusion without throwing in what it is. <laughs> it's not happening. Um, I mean, uh, I, I admire Yelichek a lot. 
Um, she's having a party that doesn't look like it's going to cross the threshold. And, um, but I think that, I think her intent was good. She made probably every political mistake she could possibly make. But the positions that she held in the ministries she held, she actually did some things that I think were quite important. Um, So, but everybody's saying she's not going to throw across the threshold and therefore vote for her is a wasted vote. If everybody who wants to vote for her did vote for her, she probably would cross the threshold. So there's a lot of that that's out there. The other issue, even though I'm not going to vote for him because he joined Benny Gantz's party and I do not, like what Benny Gantz stands for, is Matan Kahana, who was the religious minister in the last government, and who I felt was doing some very, passing some very important legislation, things that the can has been kicked down the road for too long in terms of what kind of Jewish state we're going to have. And there was, there was, there were things that he was trying to pass, for example, on how kosher, how things are labeled kosher, who has the ability to do that, um, how marriages and divorces occur here under Jewish law, how um, conversions are conducted, um, which I felt very strongly that he was really on the right track. He spoke for me in many ways on some of the things that he wanted to change. And it's disappointing for me that he wasn't religious minister for a long time. But because of the party that he joined, I will not be able to vote for him, even though I felt that he was doing a lot of good things from a very right. good place as well. Right. Out of love for the Jewish people, not out of just trying to make a, you know, a mess. Yeah, I see, so I see that's David what I'm saying right now. That. Right. I, what a great overview. I want to come back and dig into some of the issues. But David, I saw you nodding, uh, particularly when, when Eve was speaking about sure. Matan, Matan uh, Kahana. Uh, let, let, me, let me jump to, back to you with the same question. Sure. Uh, just by way of background, so people know who they're speaking to other than a diehard uh, New York Mets fan. Um, who have you voted for in the past and why? Okay, so I've also voted for Yamina in this past election, meaning uh, just over a year ago. And in the past, I voted for the Bayt Yehudi party, which was Naftali Bennett's previous party. He's changed his party several times. In terms of my political beliefs, so I believe um, in all of the land of Israel, meaning I believe that every inch of the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. Um, when it comes to economics, I believe uh, in economic liberty. I believe in small government. In many cases, I lean libertarian. Um, on religious issues, I like the idea of coming to common sense compromises between the religious and the secular, which is why I've tended to, I've, I tend to vote for Naftali Bennett and his party because they really speak to my values. Um, when it comes to um, what I look for in the party, I also look for policy um, that, and people who actually get things done. So all of that has led me to Naftali Bennett over the years. And as we discussed before, um, he's not running uh, this time around, um, specifically Matan Kahana, which was brought up before. So I agree with Eve, what she was saying, that he actually did a great job um, as the Minister of Religious Affairs. Um, and he's someone I would have wanted to vote for. But similarly, um, I didn't like the fact that he joined this sort of center, center left type party um, because there are other people in the party who I greatly disagree with their values. So it's sort of a, a problem, I'd say, in the way the Israeli system is set up by design, um, mm-hmm. where people have to often join parties they don't really agree with on many issues. But that's the system that we, we have to live with. Let me interject a second. We've now referenced Matan Kahana twice and the party that he's joined. It's called National Unity. It also, like Naftali Bennett, who was our past, recent past prime minister and flipped, I don't know, three, four, five different political parties or the names of the parties over probably as many years 
Um, we, we also see that the head of that party has flipped. He's, he's relatively new. Benny Gantz, a retired general, former chief of staff, um, current minister of defense. And he's been I, three or four political incarnations as well. Um, Eve, when you were speaking before, I thought you were going to perhaps mention um, the person who he created the national unity group with or party with, uh, whose name is Gidon Saar, who, who tends to be somewhat white, right wing. But you, you mentioned Matan Kahana, uh, who's, who's, what, what place is he on their list? Do you know? Um, I'd have to look it up. He's he, he has a realistic three, spot on there. Three, like, maybe three, Number four, something. He's pretty yeah. high up there. Yeah. Relatively high. He's not three because that's Gotti Eisenkot mm-hmm. is the other okay. recently retired. I just looked general. it up. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it's number nine. Number ah. nine. So he's okay. he's in an electable place, Correct. and that puts a challenge. And you both articulated in different ways, even though, well, David, you didn't say it, but that you're not, you, you wouldn't consider voting. But before you, before we even do talk about who we might vote for or why we would consider them, David, I want to ask you the same question, even if you give me the same answer that Eve did. If Naftali Bennett were running again, regardless of what party, would you consider voting for him? A hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I was a big supporter of his. Um, when it came to forming the coalition, there was a really big split in the party. You had those who said, how could you sit with the left, with Arab parties who are anti-Zionist? That's, you know, it's heresy for all intents and purposes. And then there were others who said, but if you can get good policy done, maybe mm-hmm. we can make a pact with the devil. And that was the real split that happened with um, Yamina's voters, Naftali Bennett's voters. So I was one of the people who said, you know what, if he gets good policy done, I'm on board. And for the most part, I actually thought he did get good policy done, which is why I always said, I do not like the formation of the coalition, but a lot of what they do, I happen to agree with. One of the downsides mm-hmm. of doing a podcast is it's audio and we're not, you're, you're all not able to see the, 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 the um, physical acknowledgement. You're, you're nodding and, and, and I appreciate that. It's a, it's an interesting conversation. Let's take it to you, Mark, same same uh, initial open. What's your uh, political orientation, and uh, who have you voted Jonathan, for? Jonathan, I know you wanted a diversified panel, but I've been a, a consistent supporter of Naftali Bennett as well. Okay. Um, I guess the difference between myself and David and Eve is I live about a block away from him, so um, you know, get get to see him just in the neighborhood be, before he was prime minister. Um, you know, I, and I, I agree with Eve. I don't I don't find what he did is traitorous. The fact that he's sitting right. with others in his party um, because it was necessary. But we are one country and that country includes people on the left of center and it includes people that are called Arabs and the Arab party that was part of his government for the first time. And I don't have a problem with that. I think that that's that's the way a country should function with dialogue between everybody. He was very adamant of what he believed in, in not a two-state solution. And through his entire um, uh, position, he was consistent with that. We know that Yair Lapid, who's now the temporary prime minister, believes in a two-state solution, but they could still sit in a room and have conversations about things and treat each other in a respectful way, which is something we haven't seen in years in our government. So I, I respect and appreciate that. I would absolutely like David vote for him again. He's not running this time around. Um, there's a real possibility, of course, which you know, you know, in, in your introduction is that we'll have a hung jury 
there won't be a majority and yeah. we'll be sitting at elections, I guess, three, four months again later to have the, you know, the fifth election. Six. Uh, six, sorry. <laughs> uh, lose <laughs> count. At this point. Right. So, as, so, as long as like in the Torah, we get to rest after six, then, uh, then maybe we can all live with that. I don't know. Rest for the seventh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I was thinking about it, especially um, because of our audience for the podcast. And um, in, in the Talmud, it explains that the first temple and the second temple were destroyed for a concept called Sinat Chinam, which is yeah. baseless hatred between people. Well, fast forward 2,000 years, that kind of describes Israeli politics. It's not, I disagree with you. It's, I hate you. You're disgusting. You're a traitor. Um, I, I guess people in the U.S. can appreciate what that's about more than ever now. And I feel, you know, we need a unity government. We need a government that has people from, you know, not just the far right, but other people that have a voice. I don't agree with the far left parties and, and, and things that they say, but they still are entitled to be part of the conversation. They're citizens, they live here. And to, to just having this jockeying of position and we don't have a government, I have a financial background. I think what's really important is that Israel has to develop financially, which benefits everybody, whether you're religious right or far left or Arab or ultra-religious parties. If the economy of Israel continues to grow as, as it has, everybody is uplifted by that. And, and it makes a stronger Israel. And that to me is the most important thing is that, that we be around 50 years from now and 500 years from now. Excellent. Thank you for that. Um, before I take a break, I just have to be the spoiler. Uh, I guess I'm the only one who didn't vote for Naftali Bennett and his Yamina party last time. Um, uh, and my main reasoning for that was I was concerned that he was doing, going to do something that I didn't want to see, which is join a government with, uh, with, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu and prop him up and continue his reign. And for me, that continues to be a, a, a challenge and a red line. And, and whether it was strategically good or bad that they were ambiguous, I don't know. Well, we can discuss that after a break, but um, that for me was a big was a, uh, a a big red line and concern. But I want to take a break just for a minute, and then we're going to come back and dig a little bit deeper about. Um, well, I, I want to make a bigger uh, observation, but some of the some of the reasons which we've already discussed, but what makes this election so complicated for us. But let's come back after this. When you think of Jerusalem, you probably think of its historic and biblical sites. Run for Zion is a trip unlike any other. You will join tens of thousands of Israelis interacting with Jerusalem as you never have and never imagined you would. You'll connect with and bless Israelis of all backgrounds. If you've never been to Israel and are dying to come visit or haven't been for a while and can't wait to get back, Run for Zion is the opportunity for you. And now, if you register today, you can join us for as little as $29. Yes, that's for real, just $29. Run for Zion is a pilgrimage and service experience that gets you out of the tour bus, interacting with the people and the land. Check out runforzion.com for details and come run for Zion and bless Israel with every step. Okay, Um, there are a lot of directions to take this conversation, but I have a a, a general observation that people listening, I want to hear and any, any comments. We're all right of center. Three of us are, quote, settlers. We live in 
in in what people pejoratively refer to as the West Bank in Judea and Samaria. And um, and typically, a lot of people look at us as being ultra right wing, as not being ready about any kind of compromise, and really only about ourselves. And what I've heard from all of us, but including myself and Eve and David, um, particularly who live over the Green Line, is a great amount of open mindedness, albeit from a from our respective right-wing perspectives. We're concerned about religious issues. We're concerned, of course, about the land of Israel. We're concerned about how we get along um, and, and, and interact with a, a one another as Israelis. And we're concerned, uh, Mar- David, you mentioned a, a libertarian perspective. Mark spoke about a different um, perspective. Uh, but I, I, I just want to draw that out because I don't think that people necessarily will see that this is not a knee-jerk right-wing audience. And that's probably what brings us to, uh, to to some of the conflicts that we have as to who to vote for. Um, Eve, what may, what may you, you mentioned, you started out before going into some of the parties and why not Matan Kahana because he joined a party with Benny Gantz and others who you don't like. And Ayala Chaked made a lot of, uh, who, who's now heading the uh, Jewish home uh, party back to where she was at, at an earlier point. And she made mistakes. I didn't. I don't. Didn't catch if you thought her mistakes were forgivable or not. But what? What? And and, and I think you also alluded to the fact that you weren't really a, a, a big fan of Likud right now, at least um, in terms of in terms of what, what are the? I want to talk about those issues specifically about Likud because they they challenged me. But could you draw with a broad brush? What are those issues that are just holding you up that, you know, that, that if you were standing there in that ballot, that the voting booth today, that would just completely dumbfound you? Well, I think it's important maybe to clarify also for the listeners that there are certain people who are going to be in the Knesset no matter what. Maybe Netanyahu is going to be in the Knesset. If you vote for the Likud, you're voting for numbers 29, 30, 31 on the list. Well said. Okay, because the you know if the if the polls are correct, right? So you're voting for the people who may or may not get in. The the rest of them are pretty much already in because they've got their solid voters, and that's the case with every party. Like mentioning Matan Kahana as number nine is actually very interesting because I don't know what they're polling right now, but if they're polling nine or ten, then actually voting for Benny Gantz is not really voting for Benny Gantz; it's voting for Matan Kahana to be a member of Knesset because he's the one, as they say, Nibrala Kaskas. He's the one like right there on the. The edge. Yeah. So that's an interesting because we don't vote directly for people and we vote for a party. You're actually voting for the people who may or may not get in based on the polls, if Excellent. the polls are telling the truth. OK, so that's that's that's, I think, an important thing to say, which makes things just more confusing for those of <laughs> us who don't necessarily like a party or like an individual or like an individual, but don't necessarily like the party. So there's that there's that to throw out. Um the problem that I have uh, with the Likud, and I have to in general, because there are certain members of Likud who I think are fantastic. Yes. Donnie Luz, for example, who used to work for the ZOA or possibly still is on the Likud list. Um, I'm thrilled that he's going to be a member of Knesset. I think he's an honest, straight shooter. And I think he will do a lot of things that are important for me to see happen. But he doesn't need me to vote for him because he's pretty high up on that list and he's going to get in anyway. So those are some of the the nuances that are going on here. Um, But I am disappointed. A lot of the wildcat building that we have seen, basically the breaking of the Oslo Accord from the Palestinian Authority has happened. I don't want to assume... I don't want to assume people know what that what what that you're okay. talking about. It, what in 1993, um, 
when Israel created the Palestinian Authority and set in motion an idea, even though that they will deny it, that there would be some kind of a two-state solution. Um, I am still devastated by the 2005 expulsion from Gaza. I will not call it a disengagement. I moved down there for the last few months, and I was there until the very minute that our soldiers came to destroy Jewish homes, take mezuzahs off the door and throw Jews out of their homes. That is something that I do think is unforgivable, that anybody who is associated with that, because what I'm not hearing and, and um, is, and I'm sorry, that's what I don't hear from politicians. And I think in general, we have a problem with politicians because on the one hand, we want them to be as pure as the dirt and snow. On the other hand, anyone who goes into politics is not going to have that kind of personality, which since you brought up what I felt about Shaked, one of the things I like about her is that she didn't act like a political animal the way a lot of other people did. She didn't do some things that would have put her definitely back in the Knesset, jump a party or something like that. Um, even though now it looks like she won't be in the Knesset. So we, we have a problem because the good people that we want to see in the Knesset don't really play the game well enough to st- get or stay into the Knesset. Uh, an example for me is Michal Cutler-Wunsch, who was in the Knesset very, very briefly, who was a fantastic member of Knesset. She gave public service a good name, again, which it doesn't have anymore. But she made some mistakes, and she's not in the Knesset anymore. She just they doesn't know how to play that game. And that's, that's, I, that's probably a problem we have all over the Western world. And I do want to say here, though, that I'm extremely grateful that we are having this conversation. We live in the only democracy in the Middle East. And while it's incredibly flawed and we're discussing the flaws, I think that it, it behooves us to say that we have the right to vote. And all around us in the Middle East are, you you know, women who don't even have the right to leave their houses without a scarf on their head and all kinds of other totalitarian regimes and absolute monarchs and just total despots who would love to be having the luxury of this conversation. And so I I just want to say that because we need to also recognize the fact that Israel is a very, very, very lively democracy. And so we go to vote way too often. But it's a it's a blessing that we have this ability to do that. I think it's important to mention it. We need to straighten it out and have a stable government and have budgets passed and have actually five year plans and, and educational systems that are put into play and all of that. But I do think, given the context of the Middle East, that it's something that we really need to mention because it's not taken for granted. The founders of this state did not know who Thomas Jefferson was. They came from Tsarist Russia and a lot of other places where their examples were very different and we could have gone a very different way. So there's a blessing within all this mess. Um, So uh, so that that's where I I mean, this is where I am right now is thinking about a lot of these different issues. Um, I don't want to waste my vote. I will definitely vote. I know a lot of people now who aren't voting because they don't know what to do. That for me is not even a possibility. I will be at the voting booth at seven o'clock in the morning because I have a guiding job starting at 730. Um, (laughs) Because even if it turns out that who I vote for isn't great or doesn't do what I want, it is a tremendous privilege to be able. And I cry every single time that I put that little slip of paper in an envelope. And so I've been crying a lot in the last couple of years because it is just such a joy to be able to in some way have a little impact on the future of the Jewish people in our homeland. Yeah. It's not something that I take for granted at all. Have you ever been as conflicted in your voting? Oh, definitely. Yeah. It is rare that I just bound into the voting booth full of enthusiasm. Okay. Because, you know, a lot of these politicians have done things that I'm not so happy with. None of them is, you know, is, is doing exactly what I want to do. 
And I understand the compromises have to be made. But like, I mean, I was also not appalled when an Arab party went into the Knesset. And I agree with what was said before, that if we want to have a country of government, into the government, excuse me. On the other hand, events of the past couple of years have gotten me a little upset with the Arab population in Israel, like burning down synagogues in Jewish cities in Israel. We're not even talking about Judea and Samaria. That was supposed to be done 80 years ago in the Holocaust. Like that wasn't supposed to be happening here in the land of Israel. So uh, I'm I'm more than a little appalled by that lack of loyalty. Uh, Democracy isn't supposed to be a situation where you take advantage of the country. I mean, theoretically, anyway, in order to promote an agenda that will ultimately destroy the country in which you're voting. That has happened before. That can't happen here. And so I'm a little more jaded than I was when it comes to that aspect of, of uh, you know, of the Israeli government. I don't know if I would be so enthused or at least optimistic another time around if some of those Arab parties were included in a government. Because I, I think that um, I think that more than they failed me, they failed their own electorate because there are a lot of Israeli Arabs who do want who are appreciative of being in Israel of being in this country. And I think that their representatives don't represent them properly. I think their representatives fail them, but that's who they've got. So that's what they have to deal with. I actually just wrote an article about that, which I'll maybe post in the notes. Mark, I want to jump back to you. Um, You spoke about a a broad-based government. I want to, before we get into that, I'm kind of curious what everyone would like to see, even if we're struggling with which party to vote for, perhaps what the outcome will be. But before we even do that, what makes this election so complicated? A journalist asked me a question. Well, why not vote for this one? Why not vote for that one? Speaking about the more center-left parties, um, and, and I gave my input, but you're talking about a broad-based government. Why not vote for one of those parties that are maybe more likely to, 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 to create that? Um, it's it's not clearly defined because, as as you've mentioned a number of times, the polls, but the polls literally change every day. And um, I actually, I'll answer a question with a question to to the you know Jonathan, Eve, David. If Bibi Netanyahu was not going to be prime minister, maybe he would be in Likud and in the Knesset, but for whatever reason, he was not running for that slot. Would this be a totally different conversation right now if the mm-hmm. party wasn't? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, and I, I, I agree with that as well. 100%. The difference for me, by the way, as long as you've taken over a moderating position, Mark, um, which is great. For me, the difference is that especially what came out of the latest Likud primary is you have a lot more of what I refer to as BB lapdogs who are in the top 10 and, and not, Eve, you mentioned it before. There's some great people in the Likud party. They're not in the top 10 and they're not, and, and, and many of them are not in the top 20. They've been pushed aside and that, that does concern me, but, uh, but for sure I would be rethinking um, mm-hmm. voting for Likud if it wasn't. And I wanted to point out something that the audience might not be aware of. Most of the names we're discussing, Ayala Shaked and Lapid and Bennett, they were all in the Likud-led government. I mean, these were all people that had important positions. They were ministers at various stages over the last five, seven years. And one by one, they just became alienated or were pushed out of that yeah. group by the leadership, by the leader, and, and weren't allowed to 
develop and, and be mentored properly to be future leaders of mm -hmm. the country. And they had to go and set up their own parties. And, and you're looking at a landscape of everybody was former Likud affiliated. Yeah, we you can add a Victor Lieberman to that list. Oh, sure. Victor Lieberman and Gidon Saar and uh, mm -hmm. Shaked and Bennett. And am I missing anyone? But yes, we have that. We have that as a problem. And and if they were, the question ultimately is if they were all still at home in the Likud, cultivating and growing in a party and, and being that nationalist right of center party, would they be polling uh, instead of in the low 30s, would they be polling 40 or 50 Quite possibly. Possibly. I, I think there's almost no question they, they would be. It's because, because it would just be the accumulation of all the polls of where those people landed setting up their own parties. And those would all be, yeah, you'd have 50 seats, maybe not 61, but it, it'd be way up there. And our life would be a lot simpler okay. because the philosophy would be more clear. So, so Benjamin Netanyahu as prime minister is the elephant in the room, and I want to come to that. But David, I want to give you a chance also to say what for you. What's so complicating, uh, other than the fact that you've been a strong supporter of of Naftali Bennett, and he's not running now? So I'm going to actually take this question in a little bit of a, a different direction. It's not necessarily, you know, yes, Netanyahu, no Netanyahu, um, or what we like to say, yes, BB, no BB. You know, going by his nickname. The real problem I think that we have in Israel is the system of government. The way I see yes. it is that the system itself is what is broken. For example, we don't have checks and balances. The way we vote is actually a form of proportional representation, which is extremely democratic, which sounds good, except when it comes to governing, it is nearly impossible. So the audience we have listening here, I'm assuming is predominantly American. The American Revolution was fought not only to get rid of the British monarchy, but it was also done to set up a fantastic system of government, which is really what happened in the United States, which is why it's been able to flourish for now, you know, about 250 years. Well, they we don't have Israel, the neighbors we have either. That, yeah, that's true. They have Canadians. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they have Canadians. We have Syria. You know, what's the difference? All, no, I'm kidding. Um, but it, um, But the difference is that you know, the Americans came up with a fantastic system of government. We in Israel really never took the time to say, how are we going to create a system of government that's going to last many years? We have this sort of ad hoc system. For example, we have no constitution. Um, we have basic laws which are similar to constitutional amendments, but how do you pass them? Just with a bare minimum. So if 61 members of Knesset are in favor of something and 15 are against, then you can pass that and that's a basic law and it has a constitutional amendment status which is quite absurd if you think about it. You should have some sort of a supermajority, but the system doesn't have that. Um, I mean, another thing we were discussing before is how exactly the elections work. So you mentioned you have parties with lists of candidates, and we, the voters, were voting for one party, okay? This, what we're doing essentially is just creating the legislature, the 120 members of the Israeli Knesset. That's all we're doing. We're just coming up with a list of the Knesset. However, the Knesset then has to choose the executive branch, which is what we call the coalition. So we'll say, you know, uh, Jonathan, you're a great leader. You'll be the prime minister. Eve, you'll be the minister of tourism. Mark, you'll be the minister <laughs> of finance, et cetera. We're going to divide up the different ministries. And then we all come together for a coalition government. But what's the problem with this? Let's say we all hate each other and we're not going to agree on who's going to sit with who, which is essentially what's really going on in Israel now then we have a built-in mechanism to fix it. We go back to new elections. But of course, there's a problem with this, which is 
if you're a right-wing voter, you may vote for one right-wing party or another right-wing party. If you're a left-wing voter, you may also split between, you know, the parties like Merits and Labor, the left-wing parties. But if you're a left-wing voter, you're not going to suddenly vote for the ultra-Orthodox. If you're ultra-Orthodox, you're not going to suddenly vote for the Arabs. The Arabs aren't going to vote for the right-wing parties. So part of the whole absurdity of the situation is that we're just going back to elections over and over and pretty much electing the exact same people. So I think that's really the fundamental issue, which is causing this tremendous political divide. It really has to do with the fact that the rules of the game are absurd. And that's really it. Well, maybe after we've all drowned our sorrows or celebrate maybe the outcome of the election on November 1st, we can talk about what needs to be fixed. And there's a lot that needs to be fixed, but we're not going into a vote on, on how to fix the, the, the electoral system. Um, right. And, that's the unfortunate and, and I want to go back and underscore something that Eve said earlier, which really does need to be highlighted. It's not the best system, but we are the only democracy. And it is a privilege. I have to say, I'm terribly conflicted about who to vote for. But wow, if my great grandparents could see me voting in the state of Israel five times and my 21 year old who's now going into her fifth election, which is absurd. But but this is how this is how we are. Um, I want it. This is a great conversation. I want to take a break and then come back. And and albeit that you deflected the question uh, a little bit, David, about about not being a, a you didn't say it in those words, uh, but not about uh, Netanyahu per se. I want to speak about that. And then I want to come back and talk about what do we what would we like to see as really the broad outcome. But let's just take another quick break. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill. They are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Mark, you you had spoken. Actually, you know what? I'd like to start with Eve again. Okay. In your first round of comments, you started getting into some of the things that I'll, I'll use the word. Um, I'm not putting word in your mouth, but I, I wrote it in an article recently that I thought were really treacherous that the Likud did under as as the as the um, opposition party leader uh, yep. uh, under under Netanyahu. Um, I can list what they are, but not without going without going into all the whole history. What are the what? Maybe we can each take around. What are the top three reasons why we're why we're just not going to vote for Benjamin Netanyahu as <clears throat> as head of the Likud party this time? Eve, go ahead. Are we get? Are we on? Yeah, are we're we on. We're, we're doing it. Oh, um, 
what are the top three reasons why I wouldn't vote? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you had alluded to some things that they had done in the last year. I right. I think I know what they are, but I'd love to hear from you. Okay, well, one of them is really, and I don't know if they could do it. You know, at least they maybe could have done it under the previous American administration. They certainly can't do it under the one now. Is um, I would like to see a little more self-respect when it comes to the Israeli government. Okay, for example, I see intervening in Israeli internal affairs on a level, especially by the American government, but also by the Europeans, on, I think it's a lot of nerve. They say things to the Israeli government that they would never say to another country. I think you should investigate this. We're upset about this. Uh, we would never say that to another country. There's, there's things that happen in an internal country. And I would like to see an Israeli government that stands up and says, look, with all due respect, we're a democracy. We pay the price for the mistakes that we make. We reap the benefits of the ones that we don't. Um, to that end, and I know this is going to be very controversial, but maybe this is part of it. I would like to see Israel get off of American aid because I think that comes with a price tag that is way too hefty and that ties in with what I just said and doesn't allow us to necessarily make decisions that are good for us because we're too tied in to, um, you know, to, an, to another country um, in ways that I don't think are healthy. I think Israel has a tremendous amount of value above and beyond what we're given credit for, especially in the realm of intelligence and helping to prevent another 9-11 and 7-7 and other things. We can't talk about it because it's intelligence. So, uh -huh. but there are a lot of things that Israel is incredibly valuable. And I would like to see some way of that coming out more. Okay, we are certainly not a banana republic. Um, some of the fault might lie with us and with whoever the ruling party is, is that after so many years of diaspora and powerlessness, we still don't have that gumption to be able to stand up and have that self-respect. That's internal work that we need to do. Um, but I think that, it hasn't been helped by the party that has been ruling Israel in the last decade. Um, and I think that some devastating mistakes have also been made, for example, letting, and I, and I'm, I want this, I'm going to be very careful how we put this. Wait, Eve, but while you, while you think yeah. of the words, I just want to in, interject for those not sure. who listening, who don't know the party ruling for the last decade, it's actually 12 cons consecutive years is Likud yeah. and, and exactly. Netanyahu was the prime minister. Right. Okay. Exactly. Um, but I think that there were some terrible mistakes that were made. For example, um, trading over a thousand terrorists for one soldier, Gilad Shalit, who was kidnapped by Hamas. And I'm not speaking as Gilad Shalit's mother, because right. then obviously I would be speaking very differently. Right. But when you're a leader of a country, you have to make decisions based on what's good for the entire country. And letting out a thousand terrorists, who most of whom have gone back to terrorism, and there's a lot of blood that's been shed by these people who were let out, was, I think, a terrible mistake. And it also upped the incentive to kidnap more soldiers, because you kidnap soldiers. And the Islamic Jihad guy that went to jail for killing 10 people and is supposed to be in jail for life now can get out because yeah. you have a hostage. So I think these are very, very big decisions that were very major mistakes um, that are do not make me happy. And again, I don't see any mea culpas, okay? Because we all make mistakes and we're in the time period of the year where we're all, you know, everybody's thinking about how we're going to be better next year. And one of the things that, that has struck me about the Bible, for example, just to throw in a little bit of that, that Rabbi Cook, Avram Yitzhak Cohen Cook, who was a great rabbi in the pre-state days, wrote an essay about how King Ahab was actually a better king than King Saul. 
King Ahab is shown in the Bible to have been a, a pagan idol worshiper who, you know, was married to Jezebel and really didn't do great things. However, he owned up to his mistakes. Uh-huh. And when Elijah, the prophet, comes to him and says, you killed Navot because, you know, you took over his vineyard and everything. He says, I was wrong, as opposed to King Saul, who blames the people for the mistakes that he made. In not, for example, killing the king of Amalek. Okay, I'm counting on our audience having some biblical knowledge in here, which I know that very often they do. And that is that for me was a very profound essay when I read that. Very nice. Okay, that the leaders of the countries do not, they have to act in the best interest of the country. Forget the relationship with God for a minute. Okay, they have to do what's good for the people. They have to have accountability and they have to be able to say when they were wrong and we go into a different direction. That is what I'm not seeing. Okay. And that is what I find disturbing. Excellent. Um, thank you. And thank you for bringing in the Bible. And thank you for checking off none of the three that I would have listed. So that's great that we have this terrific panel. Good. Um, Mark, you're the one who pushed back and, and asked us the, all the question about whether if, if Benjamin Netanyahu were not the candidate for prime minister, would we vote for Likud? But he is. And and therefore, what's the what what's your impediment to vote for Likud? I, Why is he I would add, by the way, he is for now. Un- for now, until, for now. until for this, he isn't for yeah. this election, November first, two thousand twenty-two. We don't uh, know what will be. I I, keep, I try and keep things very simple. I judge people by do they do what they say they're going to do. So this goes really to to what Eve was saying, is they made numerous promises. People are allowed to make mistakes, but they made numerous promises of things that they do over the last twelve years. And they didn't do it, whether it's economic decisions or international decisions, um, two-state solution, no two-state solution. Um, so how can you vote for somebody? I mean, it's being led by somebody who I, I just don't trust to do what he says to do. So I, I can't support that. If he wasn't there, the individuals that were involved with Lee could I have uh, respect for. I think uh, many of them are very quality people. But un, un, until they reshuffle their house, get it in there, order. Is there one issue that jumps out that that is the mo- one of the most egregious that really just you can't? Um, I, I spend a lot of time counseling people on on financial issues, and um, the cost of living in Israel is very very expensive. People can't afford apartments. It, you know, we all we all understand that it's it's not that different from America of, of the cost of living is going up outrageously. And they were promised we're going to do something about it. We're going to build more housing so that the prices won't be unaffordable, that you can actually have a place to your, to, to own. And for 12 years, I've been listening to that and it was never done they, they, because there were special interests that it wasn't in their interest to lower the prices of land and real estate and things like that. So people are suffering today and it's not that they don't have food or a roof over their head, but a young couple is 20 and then 25 and 30 and 35. They can't afford to buy a, a three bedroom apartment. That's cool. And that to me, that's something that we see. And, and right. that, by the way, crosses all the way from the left, all the way to the right. It, it, mm-hmm. it affects everybody. Excellent point. How about you, David? Um, you, you, you haven't spoken so much about Likud and you deferred it before, but, but what, what's holding you back from that being an option? Why, why is Likud under Netanyahu not an option? So or, or, or why are you challenged it, by that? Sure. Sure. The way I see it is I call the Likud the fake right. Okay. The reason is that they, 
they always talk a very good game. They always say things which I say, yeah, I can really agree with that. But then when it comes to actual policy, it's like they just fail time and time again. So if we go back to when Netanyahu was first elected in 1996, he was elected on the promise that he was going to end the Oslo Accords that were signed in 1993. He did not end it. He divided uh, the city of Hebron, the holy city where our patriarchs are buried. He divided that, gave it over to Yasser Arafat. He later um, signed the Y agreements. If we fast forward to 2004, when they started with the disengagement votes, where they expelled the Jews of Gaza, he voted in favor of the vote. I think there were about four separate times he had to vote in favor. So he went along with the rest of the Likud and voted in favor. When he became prime minister for his recent run of 12 consecutive years, if you remember his early years, he actually governed very much to the left. There was a building freeze over the Green Line. So in Judea and Samaria, you couldn't build. Um, you couldn't do all sorts of construction projects over, all, all over. And it actually caused the housing price crisis, or it was a factor, I should say, in the housing crisis, which I'll get to momentarily. Um, he gave the Bar Ilan speech where he said that it's his position that there should be a Palestinian state. 2009, um, correct? That was, that was yeah, that, that, all of that was the 2009, between the freeze and the Bar Ilan speech. Um, later in 2013, if you remember, Tzipi Livni was part of his coalition. Mathematically, she did not have to be part of his coalition, but um, Netanyahu took her in uh-huh. any way and made her justice minister, and she was in charge of negotiations with the Palestinians. What did she do? She said that she negotiated some deal with uh, Mahmoud Abbas, the leader of the Palestinians, that in order just to speak with him, they would first have to release terrorists. And the cabinet had to vote, and Netanyahu voted in favor of releasing terrorists. There were multiple times where he, you know, could have annexed Judea and Samaria and somehow magically forgot to do so. You know, the left basically has taken over the Supreme Court and somehow he never put a stop to that, even though, as I said before, he could have passed some sort of basic law amending how the Supreme Court is formed. And he just ignored that issue. Um, whenever people like Ayel Chaked tried to change that, he always pushed back. Um, and as uh, Mark correctly mentioned before, the cost of living, especially people my age, I think I'm a bit younger than most of the uh, people here in the on the panel. You're the only like, non-grandparent. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, have, I have four boys, but they're all uh, 11, uh, anywhere from 11 to four months. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, cost of living here is very high. So, for example, um, the price of gas is about six to seven dollars per gallon. I, I mean, and that's always been like that for years. I mean, the cost of living here has gotten out of control. Um, but what really did it for me with Likud, where I don't even want to necessarily vote for a party that's going to sit with them, has to do with their behavior this last year and how the coalition fell apart. Um, this gets a little bit technical, but Israel never annexed Judea and Samaria. But the people like us who live over the Green Line we do have the rights of citizens. So how does that work? Every five years, the Knesset votes to essentially say, well, we didn't annex you guys, you guys will have your rights and we'll treat you like Israeli citizens for all intents and purposes. This has basically been pretty much across the board. Everyone votes for this, maybe except for the Arabs and the far left. Even the center votes for this because it's too much of a hassle not to. The outgo, the I think, yeah, the outgoing opposition led by Netanyahu and included people on the right, like Batsalo Smutrich, who in theory is supposed to represent the settler uh, interest, said, we are going to vote against the coalition no matter what they do. So even if there's right-wing policy, we will vote against right-wing policy because the highest value for us is shaming the coalition and making them look bad. So they voted to strip the rights of the Jews of Judea and Samaria of being treated as equal citizens. Um, what Bennett did in order to sort of save us from our yeah. supposed leaders is he said, okay, 
how can I basically put this on hold? And he found that legally, if you collapse the coalition, all pending legislation is frozen. Um, so that's what he did, which is why we have to go back to new elections. So, Which is why is, you and I can vote in this upcoming election. Exactly. Had he said what he could have done, and this would have been a very dangerous thing, he could have said, look, you settlers like Betzalo Smutrit, Itamar Ben-Gvir, Orich Stroke, who are all very right-wing um, uh, politicians, all in the National Religious, I sh- I'm sorry, the Religious Zionist Party, that's their name. All of you guys vote to strip yourselves of your own rights. You know what? You guys deal with it. If you can't vote in your elections, that's your problem because you vote that way. I'm going to continue being prime minister. He wasn't going to do that because as core, he's actually a very decent man. And he said, yes. no, I'm going to... I'm going to help these people, even if their leaders all voted against me. So the way I see it is I cannot vote for people who are going to play a game of politics. And by the way, they're really gambling because what they're assuming is they're going to win the election. They're going to form a government. Well, what happens if, you know, the polls are wrong, as we said, and there are a lot of undecided voters and the center left forms a coalition and says, you know what? We're not going to take up this issue. The Knesset already voted. Wow. For some reason, you on the right all decided to strip the settlers of their rights. Okay, we're just going to ignore this. And you know what? If you guys wake up one morning and you don't have your social security payments, you aren't covered by health insurance because it's not given to Israelis living abroad, which legally speaking, you now are an Israeli living abroad. That's your problem. And this is why I can't vote for a party that just, you know, plays chicken with our lives. Um, So it's really a problem. I, I really hate what the Likud has turned into, where it seems as if their primary goal is just getting back to power. But once they get to power, they're not pushing right wing issues. So that's yeah. my, uh, my take on the matter. Thank you I agree that. wholeheartedly. Yeah, thank you yeah. for that, David. I actually, uh, I don't know when it's coming out, but I'm writing, there's something that will come out addressing that. But I'm glad you mentioned the, the, the vote that was deferred. And, and I give credit to, uh, it wasn't just yeah. Naftali Bennett, he was sitting prime minister, but yeah, Air Lapid, they, they both, I mean, of course, now Lapid is the, the prime minister, and he could be prime minister for another several months or a year or more, which is all ironic. Um, and had had Benjamin Netanyahu not had, had he brought a budget to vote what two years ago he'd still be sitting prime minister today and there wouldn't have even right. yet been a rotation with Benny Gantz mm-hmm. um, for many but for me I just want to add to that one of the really most egregious things was when the Likud re- refused to support instinctively a a uh, bill that would provide uh, scholarship to uh to combat soldiers uh and i, and I by the way from a right. libertarian perspective i can make a, pers- a case why we don't need to be doing that but the fact that that not only should have been supported by Likud, but should have been a Likud bill should have been brought by the Likud, not by not by this government of uh of eight parties ranging from right to left with the with the arabs um i i, I thought that was fascinating I want to, this has been a great dialogue. I don't know that anyone, sorry, David, you say something? Yeah, on that specific issue, I don't remember if it was that or something else where I think they might have voted against it because they had to oppose everything the coalition did, but then they proposed the exact same bill and said, okay, now we support, you know, they were, they did this several times in the year plus of the coalition where they would vote against something and then say, okay, but now we're going to propose it. And it's just like, they're playing the stupid game of politics. And right. I kept saying, well, what's the point? Why don't you just say, you know what, we'll support right-wing policy, but if the coalition does anything left-wing, then we'll attack you from the right. Instead, they were just saying, no, we'll attack you from both the right and the left. We oppose everything you do. And that was my problem with them. Yeah, by the way, by full disclosure, I asked you all your orient- political orientations and who you voted for in the past. Until this past election, with one exception, my first year in Israel, or my first vote in Israel, 
I voted Likud straight away. And I, for, for a number of years, I was even a Likud party member. Um, I, I, for a lot of reasons, I decided not to be. But we're, we seem all to be in that consensus. If you're a parent like me, you know there are plenty of reasons to worry about our kids. But there's one particular issue with enormous consequences for our kids that many are uncomfortable discussing, online pornography. As kids spend more and more time online, they're being exposed to explicit sexual content at record rates. By age 13, many are exposed to graphic sexual content that has serious lasting consequences, even though research links pornography exposure to worse mental health, unstable relationships, and other issues, the big tech companies are doing almost nothing to stop it. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Canopy, a new partner of ours that's helping parents take back control over what their kids see online. Canopy uses state-of-the-art artificial intelligence developed here in Israel to make the internet safe for our kids by blocking explicit material on every single website. You can learn more and subscribe with special rates at canopy.us. And when you use our special discount code, Genesis123, at checkout, you'll get 30 days free and 15% off your subscription forever. Your kids will thank you for life. I want to begin to wrap up. It's been a great conversation, and I'm so grateful to all of you. And, and, and I kind of gambled that we would be complimenting each other and not stepping on each other, but offering different perspectives. And, and, and it's been a great dialogue thus far. But now we have an election in, uh, in, in under two weeks. Um, it'll be a couple of days after the election until the ballots counted, until, until the president goes through his process of deciding who can, who's most likely to form a coalition and, and begin to have those conversations. That's part of our process. By the way, should anyone want more background on this, just please be in touch with me at inf- inf- um, inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. I'll give you a list of the candidates, the parties, all any information you want. But now we have the election. It's taken place. What, what, I'm going to ask the same question to the three of you. Um, and maybe David, we'll start with you because you spoke last. Sure. What would you like to see as the outcome? Uh, the, the, from my perspective, it could go, there could become a potentially quote unquote right wing government, although I don't really think that a right wing government under with, with ultra orthodox parties is necessarily right wing, but it could be the Netanyahu bloc. There could be a center left government and there could be something that Mark alluded to a bigger, broader government somewhere in the middle. Um, David, what would you like to see? You're not sure who you're going to vote for, but what would you like to see as the outcome? So it's hard to say because if I were a betting man, I would say no one's going to be able to form any sort of clear coalition and we're probably going to have to go back to another election. I've just sort of resigned myself to that. But nevertheless, you asked the question, what would my ideal outcome be? I'm sort of torn between two sides and it actually will impact the way I vote. I might just say, you know what, I'll just sort of go back to the, the right. And I would potentially vote for the Bayou Dianayela Chaked because I think she's the best when it comes to policy. Um, and she has made it pretty clear in the recent weeks that she would join, you know, a coalition led by Netanyahu, um, which doesn't make me happy. But the problem I have with that is the alternative is basically the center left. And I very much disagree with them on policy. Um, and so the, if I, the other choice I was thinking of is maybe a Victor Lieberman and the Israel Beitenu party. I may vote for them. 
because um, they've made it very clear that they are very anti-Netanyahu, um, but they are a right-wing party, similar to the way Gidon Saar's New Hope party was last time. So I've, I've, I've considered voting for a Victor Lieberman. I don't know what to do, honestly. I'm, I'm really uh, torn. The ideal situation I could think of is, as I said, either just the right being in power or maybe some sort of a national unity type government, because I actually think they did vote, uh, they did govern pretty well. When you have both elements of the right and the left, it sort of keeps everyone in check, meaning you're not going to see a Palestinian state if you have too many right wing uh, members of a coalition, because they're going to say, absolutely not. If you try creating a Palestinian state, we'll leave. Um, On the other side, you know, if you look at, let's say, the Merit Party platform, um, whether it's things like um, having buses all over Israel on Shabbat, um, which is something the religious oppose, or having uh, same-sex marriage to getting rid of the rabbinate and, you know, things like that. They never succeeded in doing that because you had parties on the right who would have never allowed that. So you actually have a certain balance when you have both members of the right and the left agreeing to sit with each other. So there's a part of me that says, maybe I'll, maybe I'm in favor of that. So I'm sort of split between two sides. And unfortunately, I don't have any clear answer, which is why I'm an undecided voter. Eve, something gave me a sense that you wanted to respond to something that David had to say, but I'm I'm, I'm glad for you to respond. I don't want to get into so much of a debate, but I ultimately want you to answer the question. What would you like to see as the outcome of the election, even though you don't know who you're voting for? Okay, I do know that I'm not voting for a Victor Lieberman because he is also (laughs) fake right. What he is, is virulently anti-religious. And so that's really not something that has come up so much in this debate, because you have the ultra-Orthodox parties who will go with Netanyahu because he essentially says to them, you'll vote for me and I'll give you all the budgets that you need for your for your uh, need, you know, for what you want. And that's something that we didn't have for the last year, which was nice. Okay, but a Victor Lieberman says he's right wing, but he has gone on record as saying that he would carve out some of the Galilee in order to have it combined with the Palestinian state because he wants to get rid of the Arabs in the Galilee. So he's anti-religious, he's anti-Arab, and he's, he's, excuse me? I remember he had that as a plan like 15 years ago. I don't know if it's okay. Uh, Victor Lieberman is possibly the last person that I would vote for because (laughs) he's just very anti a lot of things that mean a lot to me. Um, And uh, uh, we didn't really speak, but the religious element of this country is very important to me, which doesn't mean that I wouldn't agree to, let's say, buses on Shabbat in certain cities where that that's what the people want. And there's there has to be a balance here between the private spaces and the public spaces. Having a Jewish country is not simple. It's not one big synagogue. And there's a lot of people here with very different ways of doing of, of having their Judaism. And that balance has to be struck. I do not think he's the person to have that balance. And let's not forget that it was his refusal to go into a baby government that has caused us to go back to election time after time after time after time. So he also thinks he's some kind of figure that can dictate. And there were a lot of big issues like passing a budget and things like that that didn't happen. And here we go again. So I just had to mention that because he yeah. is he's I, not. I like going for is, I, I, there's, a of, there, there's a lot of policy he has that I don't agree with. My thinking is that I do think he is you know, more right of center. And it's a way of saying I don't approve of Netanyahu because okay. unfortunately so, all of the other right wing parties are very much okay. in his camp. All and right. that's so, where I come from. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So I just had to say that because his name really hadn't come up here. And that is that struck a, a nerve because I, I do know some of the things he's done that I just I, I just don't agree with on any level. So what, what, like what outcome is much sideline. So what the idea and look, I I might end up voting for Ayala Chaket, even though she doesn't look great in the polls, because 
if she does pass and passing means she gets four seats, then she can have an inordinate amount of influence, assuming that the biggest party is the Likud and that Bibi Netanyahu is tapped to form a government. I do not want to see him turn to the center left because I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. Lapid has been prime minister for like 10 minutes and he's already at the UN talking about a two-state solution, which if not a majority, then definitely a good number of Israelis are like, what is he talking about? We have a Palestinian authority that's falling apart. We have terrorism rising because they don't have control over all the different terror groups anymore because we made a pact with the devil. There's a whole lot of other things that are way beyond the purview of this show that are happening that are incredibly dangerous on a day-to-day level. So ideal doesn't even enter this, okay? Because ideally we have a benevolent monarch and we go a different direction. Um, but I, I would like to see her to be able to come in and be able so that he doesn't have to go with the center left and can minimize their influence because I think that they are not represented in Israel. For those of us who have children of voting age, our children grew up in the, in the shadow of terrorism and intifadas. They don't know anything but that. They right. don't know anything about of a world that didn't have a corrupt and evil Palestinian authority right next to us. And um, there's a reason that the Israeli electorate has gone right, because those kids are now 18, 19, and 20, and they are not happy about that situation where they have to go, where would they be fighting our last, our next wars? In Gaza, okay? Because Hamas took over an area that was not the Garden of Eden, but was certainly not what it is today, okay? You can see that the expulsion is very deep inside and has caused us yeah. a lot of grief, All right. And these kids are this is what they're dying in Gaza of the places. Okay, and that is a decision, a unilateral decision that the Israeli government made that created a terror state in our on our southwestern side. All right. And our kids are pretty savvy and they know what's going on here. And even though they're on Instagram and Tic Tac, they're also very much connected to what's happening. And their votes count. And they're the ones who ultimately it's not us who pay the price for the mistakes that are made. It's our children and our grandchildren that ultimately pay those prices and us as their families. And they're very aware of what's happening. So I don't see a center-left government representing Israel, which is what a democracy is supposed to be with all its flaws, representing more or less the will of the people. And that's why I would like to see a center-right government, even if it's led by Netanyahu, of who I'm not a fan, but with enough people in place there that can keep him from doing some of the things that he's done in the past and that a center-left government would have him do again. Okay, thank you, Eve. Uh, Mark? Um, so, you know, we, ta- we we ask our Christian friends to always pray for the peace of Yerushalayim. And I would say, so I, I pray for a unity government where people get along. It's something we have rarely seen. I, I feel the last year, yes, you know, different people had different opinions, but it was the first time in, in more than a decade where people were in the government were getting along. And um Shalom, peace is, 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 is really important that, and it restores confidence in the government because they don't have a lot of confidence of the people. Whatever happens and if it's a unity government and you have the far left and Arab parties in it, you're still going to have more than 50% of that party is going to be right of center. And there won't be two-state solutions and things like that. They can talk about it. And I understand that's what they feel. They think it's the right thing. And that's good for them. They're allowed. I don't think it's the right thing. I think the majority of Israel doesn't think that's the right thing. So it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because 10% of the 
country hijacks the process and, and, and forces it. So I, I think we need to move forward. We need to move from the old system, which was a Likud, Netanyahu-led Likud government, and, and have something new. The last year has been pretty good. Unfortunately, you know, as, as, as David pointed out, it was Likud who manipulated the situation and, and tried to de-citizenize 500,000 Israelis and allow that to happen, which is horrible for Israel, but it, it got rid of the current coalition. And um, th those aren't the people I want running the country, anybody but them. Well, okay. Um, by the way, decitizenize is an interesting word. I give you credit for coining that. I, I, I just made it up. Yeah, good. We'll, we'll, we'll make note of it uh, today with this date. This is made up. Um, but I actually refer to that situation as returning us to the diaspora, um, albeit in the land of Israel, uh, as far as the state goes. Um, I, I, I want to point out something that just for people listening as we wrap up, uh, I didn't note, and I don't think in anyone's bio bio we specifically spoke about it but not all not only are we all for right of center um confused israelis and and conflicted about who to vote for and we have a little bit differences about what the outcome is we've touched upon some of the religious religious issues uh but we're all we're all orthodox jews and it's interesting to hear even the range just amongst us uh what we think I, I thank you, all of you, for joining. I think I had a really good instinct in having this conversation and having the three of you be guests. Um, so I'm real grateful for the time. I'm so grateful for the insight. Uh, just by show of hands, did anyone get swayed who we're voting for this conversation? No. Officially, they let the record show. We don't know still. Um, but we do pray for a good outcome. Uh, Eve, Mark, and David, thank you so much. For, hey. for taking time today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jonathan. I just Thank want to you. wrap up. I have a lovely self-deprecating uh, beginning of the end of the conversation. If you stay with us this long, you deserve a reward. And the, earlier this year, people who've been following the Gen Genesis 123 Foundation has been offering a special gift each month. We give away a special uh, book. We call it From Jonathan's Bookshelf. This month, we are Really thrilled to be uh, offering a copy of a book called I Am Israel, The Believer's Guide to the Rebirth of the Promised Land. If you've not seen it, and if you don't win it, I uh, strongly suggest you try and find a copy. In order to get your copy, please go to the Inspiration from Zion social media and like and follow us. And when you come, all you need to do is comment and share the link to this. And we're going to select one person at random uh, to win that book. We're grateful that this podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're ever in the area and need something or want to just pop in and tell them thank you for helping make this uh, program possible, please do so. And also thanks to our good friends, the Coin family, for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and build bridges we always offer the opportunity for people to join and sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion. Um, if you're interested in doing so, please be in touch at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. Uh, as the host, I have the privilege of making, of, of making the executive decision that this episode is sponsored in memory of my father, who uh, died 26 years ago this week. 
and uh, and who was an Israeli, but actually left Israel before he turned 18. So he never got to vote. I, I kind of would love to have this conversation with him. We love to hear your comments always as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions, especially for our Ask the Rabbi programs. And finally, just continue to please share this with others who will also find it of interest and can keep joining us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you. Hallelujah, al-mashayah, 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 al-